here with uh, Mr. Bernard Ramsey here. We're getting into uh, section two of this uh, Acts chapter nine. We just went over the conversion here of uh, Saul. Uh, he's just uh, he's just recently been converted, and now we're getting into you know the, we, we've talked about this uh, troubling past. I mean, st starting with him being public enemy number one to the Christian faith. Uh, and he's being converted, he's being used for uh, the purpose of God. And Christ tells him, you know, that uh, I'm going to tell you exactly how much you need to suffer. Uh, and today we're getting into uh, just how the acceptance of the believer is what we would go with. Or um, really, you know, how, I don't know, Ramsey, what do you think? I'm not really exactly sure how we can title that. We're getting into... Um, yeah, I guess the acceptance of the church is really what I can get into. You know, the. Calling by God. We spoke uh, yesterday uh, a bit about Ananias uh, uh, also, you know, accepting his calling uh, to serve the Lord. Uh, and then a little bit later on in Acts, we find, you know, the apostles uh, mm -hmm. and disciples accepting Saul as a disciple. And yeah. So there's a lot of acceptance. Well, and what I think, uh, and I was thinking about this a little bit uh, while we're talking, I guess the intro here is what really stands out to me is uh, his reputation. I mean, it's obviously still known. Uh, and likewise, we have this going on with the, the believers uh, today. I mean, um, it's obviously taken some time, uh, like we've said, it's taken 14 years, according to Galatians, uh, from the time of his conversion to the time of his acceptance by the apostles, the leaders of the church. Um, and some of the factors that might come into play here is, his, is Paul himself is, doesn't immediately get involved with the, um, the Christian church, uh, at least with the, the other apostles and disciples of Jesus Christ. He begins by, you know, essentially going out and proclaiming uh, the news that Jesus Christ is alive and He is, He is God. Um, so for so whatever the reasons is, there's 14 years plus there's some distance that comes to play and a bunch of other factors. But it's taken 14 years for him to get to the other disciples um, and to be accepted by that. Um, and I think that's it's it's really a battle uh, today. I mean, we could we could relate that. I mean, it's very possible that this 14 years um, is you know could be an accurate number that we could use today. Um, we've got a bunch of different variables that come with this. Is we have you know we the idea that each individual um, they progress at a different rate. Um, the the maturity, the spiritual maturity, is it there? Uh, and I think, you know, my opinion is, you know, after 14 years, if there's really not much change, there's probably no change at all, um, at least on a spiritual matter. I mean, this person probably has not truly been born by the Spirit of God. But um, we have this time span of even a couple years, um, you know, to discern this, um, you know, to, to, to let our fruits be, be made uh, manifest. Um, and I, I guess, you know, I, I guess the thing is, is, is that I, I want to uh, cover here is the acceptance of the church is, um, I, I don't know, how do we deal with that? Because we're an outsider from the church. We've just been converted. People who know us, um, they know our reputation. They know we've been sleeping around. They know we've been doing drugs. They know we uh, go out and party all the time. We've got a little colorful vocabulary. 
um, whatever else that you can throw in there. Would they, they know these certain things about us, and yet we're claiming to be a new creation. We're not the same person we were yesterday because today God completely transforms us. We have a new way of thinking, a new mindset, a new belief structure, and a new interest to not only serve God, but to get to know him more. So, um, Amen. I guess the biggest obstacle here is, uh, and I don't even know how to start this off here. I'm just kind of brainstorming it right now is how do we deal with that? Or, or how do we overcome that obstacle, um, of being accepted? Yeah. And I mean, you, you know, if we start in Acts or if we continue in Acts 9, uh, and I'm going to try to zoom in a little bit, but Acts 9, 26, you know, we hear that same message of acceptance. I mean, at this point, you know, Paul had been with them some time. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a number of, uh, of people who could vouch for him. Uh, and yet he has this history, this reputation for being a persecutor of Christians. And so, you know, it makes sense that the disciples, that the apostles, especially those who hadn't been around him, would be a bit leery right. of him. Uh, and in Acts 9.26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. Yikes. Sorry, I added that in. When the believers <laughs> learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And so here we have, you know, this story about how Paul continues to take, you know, these steps of faith, and yet how he continues to be persecuted. And, uh, you know, even, even gaining acceptance among those who were like him in faith, who had a history with the church. And this really speaks to me, I mean, about Paul's conversion. I mean, isn't it something whether, you know, you are, whether a person is new to the faith and they're just uh, exploring, you know, Christianity, uh, whether they've just joined a church, um, whether they have been a Christian for some time and are just now starting to preach the gospel or to reach out, or whether they've been on a journey of faith, you know, and they are running into obstacles. You know, how at times none of those journeys are easy. Right. None of those journeys are ones in which we are supported all along the way. Um, and you and I were speaking about this, how, you know, it can be difficult uh, to join a new church or parish. Um, we see on YouTube, I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, about how pastors who have been in the business, uh, uh, you know, for decades are, uh, are confessing or are realizing some of the errors in their ways. And they're coming out online and explaining, you know, I shouldn't have done this or I give this up. And their faith and their walk in the Lord is hopefully what's bringing them to these conversions, these 
changes in behaviors and changes in relatings, but they're not supported along the way. And in times, if you look at the comments, if you look at you know, the other videos and outcries, you know, from the public, they're not supported in the faith by believers. They're not supported outside of the faith. It's a difficult walk. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, I can uh, vouch for this from experience, and I've talked a bit at, um, in the past from, uh, or in some of my solo broadcasts, and I, I, we may have also shared it on air here with you. I don't know for sure. Uh, but what I shared uh, with my past, uh, the past church I was at, uh, that was kind of something I dealt with. I was there for two years. Um, and, you know, after the controversy, or when that con the controversy was going on, uh, my argument was essentially, you know, this is dangerous, you guys are wrong, blah, blah, blah. And the same thing that comes with any sort of belief is, you know, is it right or wrong? So that was my argument. And um, there was at least two people, and it's something that really, that comes to my mind anytime something like this is being spoken of um, about um, I, relating to the qualifications, I guess, is because what I had to deal with was the, the minister came back with, um, you know, here's our qualifications, you know, I have this degree, and then another, another man, he said the same thing. And while these qualifications are good, and I bring this up for the idea of acceptance, you know, acceptance is the, um, is what they say true. And I guess this would relate to Paul because he's, he's been professing the name of Christ for 14 years. Um, but one of the, one of the things that they made that they're sure to make known is that this pastor has the qualifications. He's been at it for X amount of years. He's went to school for this. He's got the degree, blah, blah, blah. And the, the biggest concern I have with that is, um, and I, you know, you can clearly see this if I was to tear that apart, which I'm not going to do that right now. That doesn't necessarily mean that anybody's specifically qualified. That doesn't mean that they are truly um, professing the word of God right and accurately. Um, and I think this is probably something that he was dealing with because like we have here, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's coming to my mind right now related to this. Um, where's it at? He, uh, okay, he took him, he joined, he went, attempted to join the disciples and they were afraid. So they've known his reputation, they know his past, um, and they think, you know, there's, there's, quite honestly, there's probably a legitimate fear. Oh my gosh, he's going to kill us. He's got an army sitting outside waiting for us and just barging on in. Yep. So, um, I mean, that's extreme. I mean, you don't want to, you know, take a, take a bunch of swords in an army into a church and kill everybody. But the point there to be is, can we really trust that this person is who that they say they are uh christ says in uh in his ministry that you know these these false prophets i think it's actually in matthew 7 that you will essentially know them by their fruits um and it's not saying that you know that you know in our perception that's the thing we got to take into consideration there is is our perception it's not our perception of goodness our perception of fruitful just because there's a lot of money coming in just because they're you know a, a smooth talker doesn't necessarily mean they're doing right you got joe Osteen for an example uh, he is the most elegant preacher in all of christian faith or at least that's how i i say that with a lot of sarcasm by the way um he's got a, large, a huge following and it's because people want to hear that message but that doesn't mean anything um so we need to take into consideration when christ is talking about the fruits i mean yes there's spiritual fruits you can go to Galatians and get that list of uh, what those fruits are, but this pr this producing is 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 this person producing truly repentant souls? Um, there's one of the aspects, and 
One of the things that really stands out to me, and I think I think everybody deals with this, is is Christ is known for going to the people of Nazareth. They completely reject him as mm -hmm. the Messiah, and they they you got I got to give benefit of the doubt to them too, is because all we know is that they rejected him. He didn't do any miracles uh, because of that, um, and yeah, there was probably a hardened heart in there as well. But from their perspective. Christ himself, he grew up his entire life around these people. Yeah. We know, I mean, it would have been recorded otherwise, but we know that he didn't perform any supernatural miracles. He was sinless, yes, but he didn't perform any supernatural healings or walk on water or, you know, give somebody a little sip of the, you know, choicest wine while he was 12 years old. Right. So, in that time, uh, that's completely unknown to us, he lived his life in 100% humanity uh, as a as a man as a child doing you know childlike and manlike things um and some wondrous things but certainly not the wondrous things the miracles that we see right right, right. i mean it wouldn't be these supernatural yep. things that that show his divinity um correct yep. yep and you know so so they're seeing this and and you know as far as these people are concerned this man's a mere carpenter's son you know, by that cultural standard, okay, he's going to grow up to be a, col a carpenter as well. There's nothing special about this man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from their point of view, I mean, I can, I can understand as far as why they would. It's because they know Jesus. They know his background. They know his mom. They know his dad. They know what his dad did for a living. They know everything as far as humanity is concerned. They know everything about Jesus. Um, yeah. So there's an understanding there as far as why they would reject that. But um, the, the point there is... He's he is now, you know, 30-some years old, he's now revealing his divinity. I am God. And even so, they still reject it. Um, you know, they reject the possibility of this. I mean, there's a whole entire spiel behind that. But we have this today. Because just because, like I've talked about, you know, the, the educational credentials, uh, your background, you know, what's your, your upbringing... Um, your life and what all of that was like. We, we when we uh, when we look at that in a person, um, even today, that that itself uh, is evidence to us that is this person really who they say they are. You know, yeah. they've um, you know for a normal human being, these persons have always done drugs, slept around. They've you know never read their Bible, blah blah blah, whatever else you want to throw in. So I find concern with that, um, and everybody's guilty of it, myself included, that we evaluate it based on that. Um, one of the most beautiful things based on the humanity which we all share yeah right? yeah and and I mean Just, we need to get out of that itself yeah. that out of mindset because um, because along with that humanity we should also as much fully acknowledge especially as Christians that it is by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit, and by Christ's, you know, sacrifice on the cross, death and resurrection, that we are saved. Right. We don't put those hands in hands. And so, you know, we look at the son of the carpenter, and we look at a child, and yet we don't look at the miracles of our Lord. Right. Or we look at, you know, the human history of a person growing up without faith right. or even the Christian who uh, has made mistakes along the way in their humanity and yet we don't as much 
fully acknowledge the saving grace of our Lord. Right, and that's something that's uh, essentially even, instantaneous too, is because yeah, um, yeah. you know, from like I like I was saying earlier, is you know, yesterday, and I'm I'm actually talking literal terms. Yesterday, a person can be, you know, in human nature, the most despicable person you could think of, Paul, yeah. and yet today, this yeah. is a completely changed person. I mean, yes, it took three days for Paul to get healed, but it was just in the same day from the time that he, from from the day that he said, "I'm going to kill you all," to the time of "I'm going to join you all." Well, that was yes. just a one day period. So, um, I mean, that alone, I'll, I'll completely admit that is really difficult to believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I, it, yeah. you know, if I got to give these guys some benefit of the doubt here for that. But um, what I what I like about this. But in their humanity, it also took them, excuse me, you know, in their humanity, it also took them quite some time to accept and to believe that he was, you know, of the same thread, that right. he was in the same walk that they were because of the things that he had done. Right. And there's a lot that can go into that, too, is because one of the things here, um, I think he actually shares it in uh, Galatians. Um yeah, it's uh, it's in Galatians because I'm not seeing it here. Um, where he, when he goes in front of these uh, these apostles, I mean, he's essentially being evaluated. Um, you know, are you who who you say you are? And you know, he has some people to testify to that. Um, see if I can slowly turn to there. But um, I guess another factor is. Or is is the word sound? I mean, he's he's been preaching for fourteen some years. He has failed to come up to us uh, before then or any time previously for various reasons. You know, uh, one in particular I think would be his mission. He says, you know, I'll go take care of these guys later. My job right now, excuse me, my job right now is to preach to the lost. Um, as long as I'm doing that, I'm good. And I was actually talking to somebody earlier today, and it's really awesome. Um, I asked, I randomly asked them. Because um, I, I saw that uh, they, they posted, they put something online about being uh, reformed, uh, okay. part of the reformed church, and I and like, you know, we've talked about that. That's you know, kind of like yeah. candy. That's beautiful stuff. I mean, it really is. And I, I from my own experience, I've got to say, you know, when you find somebody that says I follow reformed theology, I was like, you know, okay, you don't just follow reformed theology, you follow sound theology as well, and that is beautiful too. Yeah. yeah. But um, I asked, you know, what's your favorite theologian? And just out of curiosity, because I follow a couple myself, um, you know, see what kind of discussion we could get in with that. And they responded back with, uh, I was like, well, I don't really follow all these, you know, hundreds of theologians out there, and I can totally understand why. I, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they said, it's like, you know, I instead, I follow the uh, the word of God. Um, yep. And I think I might have shared this before uh, with you, is having a, my prayer, or having a prayer in which, um, you know, I ask God, it's like, you know, I'll reject everything that I've ever learned. I want you to teach me. Yep. Um, and it's beautiful stuff, too, because, uh, I mean, they can testify. I can testify to this is, is God really did work. I mean, I, I had my years of, uh, of learning. Um, and then the most my, the, the things I had questions on and one in particular was a certain aspect of the Trinity. Um, I don't deny it, by the way, um, but a certain understanding is what I was getting at. And while I was actually writing it in my book uh, uh, today, I was kind of jumping around a little bit. It's like because I didn't want to put something in there that was an error. Yeah. Um, but as an example, there, I looked this up and I was, you know, trying to get, a, you know, making sure that my understanding of this Trinity was right. And I found an article. So the first one I came to, 
I found this article that was basically affirming my understanding of the Trinity. So um, I think that's where Paul was getting at is he was being in those 14 years, he was being taught by the church and not rejecting the apostles, but being taught, uh, he's not being taught by the church, but he's being taught by God, you know, um, and then later on, I'll go to the apostles, I'll go say hi and, you know, give them a big old hug and, you know, not stabbing them in the back. Um, but I'll go do this and this uh, will affirm, this will be affirmed that I am uh, not only in proper understanding, or not only am I properly preaching, but I'm also in proper understanding. Because I believed for, as Paul, you know, might have had a thought in his mind. I mean, I don't think he had any doubts about it, but he's been uh, preaching the word for 14 years. And he says, okay, this entire time, it's just been me and God. That's it. Granted, mine hasn't been 14 years. It's more like two, maybe three. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've had that similar experience. And then, you know, you go to these theologians, and that's where it led up to, is uh, they can't, they aren't necessarily the source of your understanding, but they right. can help you find different perspectives about what you already understand. Yep. Um, yes. And uh, the importance of this is really to help discern this evaluation to discern that this is not a false teacher that we need to weed out. Because um, that's very important uh, to do as well. And I, I, I admire, to a certain point, I do admire the apostles, um, their lack of faith, if you will, uh, for that is, is because while Paul himself might have been in good standings with God, it was still, their job was still to protect the church absolutely um so you know and, and various reasons or various ways in which they have to so yes i mean it's absolutely good to be questionable about that to be um i don't want to say hesitant yeah. uh, i guess i'm swinging both ways you know you need to accept paul he's one of you guys but at the same time go ahead and take a couple of years to discern is this guy legit yeah. so absolutely you know there going back to acts and tying in you know with what you said there were a couple of uh verses that came to mind uh one of them is john 15. uh i am the vine you or i'm sorry yeah john 15 5 i am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And if we look at the word uh, pruning, uh, which is used uh, in this chapter, you know, to prune is to cleanse. And this cleansing is a, a process of refinement. It's a, it's a process of discernment. It's a process of learning. Uh, it, it's also, uh, uh, you know, I mean, very literally also a way that, you know, the Lord uh, gets us to change our behavior or blesses us with his grace or that takes it away. Um, and, you know, 
going back to Saul and the early church, you know, it's there. There's no doubt that even though that Saul had the blessing of our Lord, and even though we don't read about it in in this or or even later passages, there are many things that are debated. I mean, Paul later on goes to debate Peter. Uh, you know, when it comes to works and salvation, that we'll read it and discuss at another point. Um, the faith is one of deliberation. It's one of prayer. It is one of reading and uh, allowing the spirit to for uh, allowing the spirit in our readings and our teachings and our attendance at, at church to uh, discern. You know, the word of God, um, and so. You know, again, not only are the early disciples and apostles, in one sense, testing Saul, um, but we, but that testing is also something that, you know, in today's world, I think testing can be evil. I think correction can be seen as evil, um, and yet it's something that we are called to do. I mean, we're not talking about an IKEA manual here. Or, you know, a recipe on how to make a delicious cake or a dish. I mean, this is the word of God. This is some pretty important stuff. And so it, in, in our minds and in our spirits, even though we are blessed with the Holy Spirit in that discernment, it's, it's normal and it's necessary in order to test, in order to deliberate. I mean, when, when, you know, we see reactions of others online or in our local communities that this preacher said this or this preacher did this or this fellow Christian said or did this, you know, and we disagree with it. Or it's shocking and we can't believe that a person of faith would say this. That's part of our testing. And, and it's the job of you know, the community to test the Lord, if that person is also walking with the Lord, will prune their branches. And so that process also happened with Saul in the early church. Yeah, there is a, um, I don't know how long I've been muted for, so let's hope, you haven't been muted, you've been good, you've been heard. Oh, cool. Um, I think. So, <laughs> there was a, uh, um, a piece uh, I was I was and I think this uh, I think we, we've talked about this a little bit but I think this really applies because you know this is what Paul is dealing with right now with the Apostles um, RC Sproul yes. um, he yes. um, right now and, and you know John MacArthur and RC Sproul these are my forgive me for the terminology it's the first thing that comes to my mind I can't really think of anything better these are my theological lovers these guys are beautiful yes. Yeah, uh, I love their stuff. Um, what this quote here uh, is from R.C. Sproul, and I actually had to buy the book, so I should have it like next week or so. Um, I'm wanting to add more to my library other than just John MacArthur, so I had to get some more. But um, this quote here is from R.C. Sproul. Let me see what that book is from. Um, it is from. It's got to load here in a second. Uh, Feed my sheep. A okay. passionate plea for preaching, and it's a uh, it's a book. Of, there's a bunch of a uh, bunch of names from uh, the reformed aspect of the Christian faith. Um, what it? Some of these names I don't know. So, uh, uh, Sinclair Ferguson, MacArthur, John Piper, R.C. Sproul, and apparently there's an R.C. Sproul Jr. Uh, and a couple other names are on there as well as far as this uh, contribution to this book. 
but this quote here is, uh, we don't have heresy trials anymore. I'm going to stop right there in a minute, right there. This is absolutely true. We don't have that anymore because heresy is wrong. It's, it's, it's wrong, at least from the perspective of the world. It's wrong to call out this heresy. Uh, it's, it's wrong to expose this because it's considered unloving. It's considered ungodly. You know, if you, if you expose this stuff or if you nitpick the scriptures, you nitpick these beliefs, then you're, you're not person of God. Uh, and like, uh, I don't know if I shared this, but um, I actually attempted to confront an issue uh, with a local church and indirectly was accused of being a heresy hunter. I'm okay with that title. I truly am. Um, because uh, in the argument that was given was uh, by this gentleman was that uh, the Pharisees nitpicked at Jesus Christ teachings. You know, these were the heresy hunting, so, you know, it's wrong. We all know the Pharisees have your reputation of being the bad guys. Yeah. Um, Jesus, of course, is the good guy, but even so, Jesus also nitpicked at the Pharisees' theology. He, too, was a heresy hunter. You've got a whole, I think, Matthew chapter 23 there's seven woes to the Pharisees, and even just that, you've got other elements within the the ministry of Jesus, which he's correcting their theology as well. Um, yeah, you know, it's very important to, is that the uh, command for all pastors? No, I don't know what that is, but it's really good. Um, that, we need to actually get that into another uh, series as well, because Absolutely. there's a lot to Absolutely. that. Yes. Um, but the second part to this, uh, to this quote, um, is any relative, or in, in relative, I can't even say the word in relativism, relativism, yes, yes. yes relativism. There is yep. no such thing as heresy. And we have that within the church. Like I, I can't um, even remember what it yeah. was about, but I call it out yeah. again. You know, there's, a, I'm getting into the point where I don't care. I'll call this, this, these errors out if I have to, yeah. but there's one time where I was accused of being a Pharisee. I was like, Hey, you know, well, no, uh, I really couldn't argue. I mean, I argued, I said, well, hey, you know, thanks for bringing this up because it's actually a thought that came to my mind. It's like, you know, can we really call people Pharisees anymore? Um, my argument is no, which again, I'll get to that at a later point, but I shared an article about that. Um, and we need to get a grab a further understanding of this, of the idea of being a Pharisee before we make that claim. I'll share, remind me to share that article yes, with you. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing and the biggest problem we have uh, is we don't have Bereans anymore. We don't have these doctrinal police or heresy hunters because we're afraid of being accused of being unloving. Right. Um, but, you know, we can clearly see, and it wasn't, and this, I, I wish I would have put this, I might actually add that to my book. Um, it wasn't just Jesus Christ that was a heresy hunter. It wasn't just the Pharisees that was a heresy hunter. It wasn't just the Bereans that were a heresy hunter. It was also the Christians. Uh, and it's all about the perspective of the understanding, because here, Paul himself, um, I mean, later on in his ministry, he's obviously analyzed by the Bereans, but here he's analyzed by the apostles. Is he speaking heresy, or is what he says true? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's really important that we have this stuff, um, and as a church, um, yes, we do need to evaluate people uh, to discern are they right? Are they are they truly of God, or is this somebody that's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing? Um, as uh, R.C. Sproul shared, he kind of, that kind of came to mind when you shared that image. Um, he, he says that the Bible doesn't or the Bible doesn't say. Um, however, it's worded. It's basically saying the Bible says to feed my sheep. Yeah. It does not say feed my goats. 
So, um, I mean, there's a whole entire. Well said, I like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's again, that's Sproul right there. So I can't. Ta- I wish I could take credit for yeah. that, but I can't. Yeah. So, I mean, because when I first heard that in one of his videos, I was just like, "Whoa, bro, you got that? That's some pretty heavy stuff right there." Um, but yeah, I mean, this is it's. Um, what I think, uh, and I, I hope that by the time we get this uh, recording on there, I hope people looked at again. You know, for those of you who are listening to this. Um, a week prior to this broadcast, we did part one, um, or that week one was published, part one was published, and we spoke, I briefly mentioned um, the Apostle Paul's resume, Um, and it's a letter to to a local church as far as uh, hiring a pastor, so be sure to look that up, but I mean, that's, that's what we have today, is we've got people looking at the resume, and they're seeing, um, like, uh, I don't know if you've had the chance to look up that resume, um, but we have uh, a man, Paul, after his conversion, we have a man who, at least according to this resume, he said he's, I've never stayed any more, anywhere more than three years. Um, I've been in prison a lot. I've been locked up. I've caused a lot of trouble where I go. I've been kicked out. I've been hunted down. I have had received many death threats, um, but I've also been efficient in my work. I've, I have, there's a lot to... Um, there's a lot I've, produ- I've produced, uh, and you know that's really the only thing good in this so in this resume that was compiled that Paul has to him. And again, this resume is an unknown man who's applying for a minister job. But uh, the only thing Paul has for him is he's ha- he's been efficient and effective wherever he's gone. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's there's like so much that we could really cover uh, within this, but. It's really uh, from both sides. I mean, one, uh, we should not let our, um, how do I want to word this, our uh, qualifications uh, stop us from ministering. Um, I mean, you know full well, and uh, some of these uh, viewers know as well, is I, at this specific moment in time, I do not have a degree in theology. I have a certificate of what theological studies, um, but it's not a degree. Uh, I don't have a degree of any sorts. Um, I'm working on my associate's degree. I'm 30 years old, um, and you know, from our conversations we had so far, I would presume that you can tell that uh, you know I'm pretty solid in my understanding and sincere with my faith. Uh, you know, a lot of other stuff you can go in there as far as the qualifications there, but the biggest thing is I don't have uh, I don't have tangible documents saying I know what I'm doing. So, um, and this is what Paul had to deal with. Is like, bro, you guys, you know, I'm I'm one of you, and yeah. like, well, you know, prove it. So, yep. and it took the, the thing that really surprises me, not surprises me, but I think it's, it's really mind blowing is even after these 14 years, Paul still had to have somebody else who was already on the inside, Barnabas, you know, tell these apostles, you know, James, John, Peter, this guy's legit. He's one of us. So, um, and a couple of points, you know, that, that, that you raised that, you know, really resounded with me is that, you know, we also need to do that more for our brothers and sisters. Right. Uh, in, in vouching for them, that community is important in multiple communities. I mean, there are a, a number of programs that I listen to online. Uh, I, like you, don't have a formal degree in theology. Uh, I have studied and practiced the faith for many years. I've been ordained uh, and have taken coursework uh, through Christian Leaders Institute, which 
I know both of us, you know, want to talk about at some point because it, it, it's such an incredible uh, uh, learning institute, uh, right. university, and, and, and uh, community uh, online. There's nothing else like it. Uh, but when it comes to supporting and vouching, you know, for others, that testing is important, that uh, time in the faith is important it's not the only determinant but it is important right uh especially when you know looking at one's faith walk or journey um along with community and, and that's something that you know we'll probably talk about uh a, a bit more you know the future point how important community is uh so ju just a couple of points uh, there. I mean, you know, a number of programs that I listen to encourage their viewers not to replace their local church right. um, or their activities in their local church with uh, an online study or an online uh, a service. Um, and again, just emphasizing the importance of that local support, right. the local community. Yeah, and I guess while we're on that topic, um, I, I, you know, for those, I mean, yes, we could use the uh, the financial support for this ministry, but one of the things I want to encourage, and I actually do think about this a little bit more than I should, I think, is um, while that would be beneficial, my biggest concern is for anybody who would be watching this is to take care of your local church first. Yes. Um, you know, like myself, I, uh, I go to a local fund this ministry. Um, but, you know, to somebody else who's, who's just watching and, he's, and, and you know, subscribing, uh, the biggest importance there is to uh, take care of, uh, help, the, help the ongoing support of your local church before you uh, choose to uh, take up arms with us. Um, because this ministry itself, I mean, it is online. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we've, it's been a while since we talked about this. Bernard, uh, your view of this is to simply reach out to those who do not have that ability you know like i think you said the, the schedule right. yes. to take part yes. in the bible study so um yeah i mean if anything to a certain point you know we're uh we're back up yes. so um and, and yeah it's actually, uh, absolutely absolutely uh to to you know support them to be a community uh with them in their walk to hopefully get to know them you know on a more personal level i mean as this ministry grows and it is growing and it will grow you know god willing and with his blessing um you know we are a community that can hopefully learn uh with others and that others can learn with us that we can support you know in their walk right um, but also help connect them because you know, if there are a couple of things that came from, you know, these readings, these last couple of readings, is that, you know, we Christians, we are tested in our communities of faith. So we're tested in our church, we're tested with family, we're tested with local community, um, and we're tested online. And that's part of the journey. Um, but, you know, the more that we are active, the more that we are, you know, supported, we will be tested that is normal right. it's helpful it's a good thing um, that we support and want to help those who are new in their journey that are continuing in their journey um, and minister to those in you know a day in which 
Um, you know, not all people, you know, at my local church, the Bible study is at some strange times. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, there was one midday in the middle of the week and one early on the weekends. And, you know, for a lot of people, that can be really tough. Right. And now I, I mentioned to you uh, beforehand, you know, the study I'm, uh, I'm doing with my church. Uh, yes. And it's by personal interest. It's not exactly something I'm interested in. Um, I, I'm one of the guys that wants to go deeper. Um, yep. I do see the importance. I mean, it is very important to get a refresher course. Like the the, the study that I'm go, we're going through or just started was basically it's it's a basic class. Um, you know, you're new to the faith. Okay, well, what do we believe? How do we believe it? Why do we believe it? What's the significance of all this stuff? I don't have the book in front of me, but it's got a whole table of contents as far as what we're going through, and it's essentially the basics of the Christian faith. Yep. Um, said it, personally, it's not something I'm immediately interested in. Um, it is beneficial. It is important to go back and get a refresher course. Yes. Um, but I myself, you know, I'm one that wants to dive in deeper. Yes. I don't remember where I was going with this, but I mean, that's, uh, oh, I was like, amen. amen. <laughs> um, I mean, I want to, there's a lot of, there's a lot of depth there. I mean, we're talking about God's word. So, yeah. well, and <laughs> I was thinking about that today. It's like, cause, um, there was an article I was reading of, um, what is it? Theology is difficult, but worth it, I think is what it was. And yes. while it was, before I even started reading that, I was like, you know, this is absolutely, this article is true because, you know, I've, I've already shared with you, I started from a guy that, you know, hated reading books to a guy that, you know, that's my drug of choice. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it is definitely well worth it. And in, no matter how simple, and I was thinking, I can't remember how I worded it uh, originally, but the idea is when it comes to biblical theology, there is absolutely no easy doctrine. Um, and I think that is really awesome. I shared this once in the past um, in one of my uh, broadcasts I did uh, solo was um, it, it is, is more of a I think I shared this with you the, the idea of why is it's it's more than that. I mean you really when, when you find something within the scriptures, You've got to look behind that and beyond that and essentially underneath the words. I'm not saying it's not a hidden message or some sort of conspiracy or anything, but there is more value, more life when you really understand the message that's behind the message, like the parables, for example. Yes. It seems like a clear message, but when you really dig into those, I mean, it's just like, holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Amen. I mean, you know, not to amen your holy crap. Yeah. You know, I, I'm <laughs> sorry about I'm, that. I mean, I absolutely love reading the parables. And, you know, I, I haven't looked at uh, how many times I do this per year, but I know at least once or twice a year, you know, I'll read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in addition to what I hear at church or uh, in, I mean, each time, you know, in my studies, I'm blown away by what I realize now at this point in my life, um, I, what I pay attention to this time, um, how the Spirit leads me now to understand, and absolutely, right. I mean, they're just incredible. Yeah, and there's, there. I mean, there's, I mean, the Bible itself, um, I'll remember this forever, uh, is, uh, and I, th I don't know if I shared this with you yet. Um, Chuck Swindoll, I used to listen to his stuff, um, and I like how he does it. He comes with a biographical aspect uh, to the Bible, um, 
and uh, I don't exactly I know the proper terminology, but um, when you when you listen to his stuff, like what you do this one, my mine right now is John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul, like I've already told you. You compare a, a one sermon by John MacArthur to that same sermon, or at least that same chapter or passage, whatever we're going over. Um, you compare that to Chuck Swindoll. Both of them are absolutely awesome. I, I love their stuff. But you can see the huge difference. I mean, MacArthur, he's digging into word by word. Here's what's going on. Um, you know, this is what this word means. This is what this means. Here's what's going on in this culture. Um, and then Chuck Swindoll, he's going off more as a, a perspective of what's going on with the individual. Like, what's Moses dealing with? You know, how's he seeing things? What's his struggles? I mean, it's there's, it's rich. It's really rich. Um but uh, I, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, yeah, it's just some candy for you. But it's illuminate, yes. I mean, oh, it's, it's an exhaustive. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's like 50, 60-some years old. I don't know. Last I remember, he uh, one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, he said something for, you know, he's been doing the ministry for the past 30-some years, and he's older than a goat, and he's still learning. Um, and that's the exciting part right there. So. Yep. Uh, and there's certainly, you know, wisdom that that life experience, you know, when, when we're interacting with others and, and you know, living uh, in the Word of God, uh, you know, experience in this in this life uh, uh, can, can definitely help to illuminate it. And it's, you know, for anybody who doubts that, uh, and part of this comes from, I think, you know, from my psychological background and I just said a dirty word psychology but part of this comes from my psychological background is that you know if you give a 12 year if, if you have a 12 year old read uh, for instance John and you know then you have a 20 year old and a 30 year old and a 40 year old and a 50 year old I mean yes there are different capacities and abilities that the mind has but there are also a number of life experiences that we can relate to and that we can use to understand uh, as well as, you know, vocabulary and language. And so the word, I like the word you used, Rich, that the Word of God uh, hopefully uh, becomes uh, richer and, and uh, more understandable as, as we age. And yeah. it's very and I important. Think, I think that's a factor, too, um, with this, uh, you know, Paul himself being... Um, evaluated by the church is church. when we do this um, when a church evaluates the minister um, as well as when an individual Individ yes. evaluates yep. the well individual the, the new convert if you wish uh, or you know Christian however I mean either way they're claiming to be a Christian so we got to evaluate is this person right or true or not yep. um, one of the things we have to take into consideration there is um, it, not necessarily is their theology 100 yep. percent but um and i'd say that because you know they're, you're going to come across some things which um i don't have anything that comes to my mind right now but you're going to come across something in a year two years three years from now and you're going to you're going to have you're going to be like hey whoa maybe i was wrong about this um you know my my understanding about you know this doctrine uh, it's just this certain way and then you know two years down the road I was like okay well let's tweak it a little bit because from what I understand now oh yes it's different from what but what I'm seeing here in the Bible so instead of tweaking the Bible to serve me I've got to tweak my understanding to you know to, to fit the Bible which is 
you know, the, the first and the final authority um, of the Christian's life. Yeah, amen, absolutely. And there's so much that I can say, you know, on that, but just one quick thing is, you know, in the role of elders in the church, whether they're, you know, if there are people out there that have recently joined a church yeah. and being evaluated by elders for membership or acceptance into a church, you know, there's a parallel between that process and what Saul was going through. Right. There's, um, um, I'm actually glad you, go ahead and finish your thought here. No, I mean, that, that was pretty okay. much it. I mean, is that, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because, and I don't know why, it's just something that I've, I've been thinking about the past few days. Um, and I might be thinking of a different, I'm trying to find this, okay, yes, this translation here. New King James um, says it okay. a different way. Um, but um, these other translations say uh, to be above reproach. Um, okay. And um, what I was thinking about, again, you know, I, have, I haven't heard his stuff in years, but, you know, this was, this idea or this, this lesson was from Chuck Swindoll. And he was, he was a saying, you know, here in um, 1 Timothy 3, um, verse 2, let me actually get this up on the screen for everybody, um, is that, let me see, where's this at here? Okay, down here, a bishop, or in other words, an overseer, um, mm -hmm. and this can this word itself from my understanding is interchangeable overseer bishop elder all the same thing um, but it says here in the King James must be blameless this doesn't mean they're gonna be perfect it doesn't mean they're they're not gonna fall into sin um, mm -hmm. you know it says you know faithful to one wife you know, self-controlled respectable but the idea you know to be above reproach to be blameless is essentially to say is like okay this person's we know this person is going to sin because humanity itself is so imperfect that we fall to this all the time. But rather, what's going to happen here is the idea that they're blameless is, oops, I've sinned. I made this mistake. I apologize. I'm sorry. I screwed up. Um, now, this doesn't mean that, you know, the minister themselves, regardless of what the sin is, you know, if they repent from it, that they should still keep their position. But I mean, let's say, um, let's say for an example, you know, they, you know, slip up with a colorful, uh, some colorful words. Um, that's really the only example I can think of right now. Um, they can only, they, you know, slip up, they throw some vulgar words out there of whatever you want to throw into here. Um, and oops, you know, I, I apologize, you know, that didn't mean to come out. Um, like for me, my example, I mean, I'll, I'll completely admit this when I'm at the factory, um, they do slip out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I do try to stop myself, but I'm around a bunch of people who are not Christians. Um, I've been involved with that for, you know, with that uh, company for six years. And it's very difficult to, because I'm completely, I'm basically, spiritually, I'm in hostile territory. Um, but any time that these words slip out, every single time, um, at least to myself, I, you know, I say, it's like, you know, why did I say that? Mm -hmm. I, I'm better than that. I shouldn't have said that. I mean, I, I have a sense of guilt, and it's very good to have that. I'm not going to deny it. It's, you know, the sense of guilt of I sh that should not be me. Um, and this is the idea to be blameless, is to recognize the error and to correct it when uh, whenever possible. Yeah. So. Because we are going to be bad examples. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean at least as far as the, which we'll, we can share that at another time. We're running short on time here. Um, but but we, you know, I mean, we are, and and hopefully, when we are, you know, at some point, whether it's in our prayers or even afterwards, and we get, you know, that kind of prompting by the Spirit, hey, hey, you know, yeah. I mean, 
uh, you know, uh, well, I think convinced. it would be a better example, a better witness to Christ. And, and then we go back the next day, and then, you know, we our behavior changes a bit if it's more in line with who we are. But, you know, I think that's also above reproach is talking about being, you know, a good example to Christ. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm convinced Christ. that anytime we have that uh, as Christians, because yeah. there's the difference between a non-believer having a sense of guilt because they might have the conviction but they don't have the repentance of it. Yep. Meanwhile, you have the Christian who has the conviction and who feels that weight of guilt because they've done this and they repent from that. So there's a huge difference there as far as how we deal with it. But well um, when this does happen, you know, I'm, conv I'm completely convinced that it's the Holy Spirit saying, bro, you did wrong there, you know, yep. Yep. fix it. And um, I guess, you know, a, a, a reminder, uh, we're running on getting close to 55 yeah. minutes here. But um, one of the things I guess we could close up with, I mean, it kind of, well, I wouldn't necessarily wish straight too far off. Um, one of my favorite passages, um, and it helps me through times like this, and I, I give it to a lot of believers that, um, generally speaking, have a struggle with, you know, whatever sin it is that they're dealing with. Um, it's Psalm um, 37, 24. Well, technically 23 and 24. And uh, let me see if I can't uh, pop this open here real quick. Um, it's a, it's it's basically my go-to when people ask what's your favorite verse. Uh, this is one that um, you know what I'm uh, Psalm 34. What did I say? 37, 37, yes. 23 uh, through 24. Fret not thyself because of evil doers. No. Um, okay. Let's see. We'll go to NIV. Um, okay. Maybe I looked up wrong. Uh, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him, though he may stumble. Yeah. The last part's the one I want us to focus on. Though yeah. he may stumble, this is referring to the Christian, he will not fall. See, there's a difference between stumbling into sin or tripping into it and diving into it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's what's going on here. So though he trips, he will not fall. He's not going to fall all the way. The Lord holds him up. And I, I give this a lot. And that's basically a reminder, you know, as a father who... Um, teaches his child to ride a bike mm -hmm. you know like um and i fell on a thorn bush quite a few times because we had those uh i, I think there's actually a, a thief a thief something uh it, it's a thorn bush and they're designed or at least the natural purpose i guess we use them around houses is to kind of keep thieves away because you got to jump into the thorn bush to get into the house mm -hmm. yep. um the uh I mean, the idea is, that, you know, though you're going to screw up, you're going to, you know, get a couple scrapes and bruises. God himself is saying, get back on that bike and try it again. Yes. So, Amen. Amen. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's really all I have for this, uh, uh, yep. you know, this series. I mean, you have any other commentary before we uh, close this up? Well, I say this and I say this with a bit of humor and uh, also a bit of love, but I hope that everyone gets right with Jesus. Uh, and I say that it worked to my fellow heathens, you know, and they laugh, there and they is... laugh, but that's also a way that I can be a witness to Christ, because they laugh, and that has honestly opened more than a few conversations with them. I'm like, you know, you know, they say something, or they do something, and then I'm like, you know, you probably need to get right with Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's really funny you say that. Um, I'm going to have to take a picture. Actually, I'm yeah. going to be going that way tomorrow. So hopefully I can remember to uh, remember it. But there's a sign. It looks like it's made of uh, uh, that corrugated aluminum panel, uh, okay. the wavy side stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks like it's made from that, and it's a cross. It's hanging it like just on the corner of a, a forest in a, in a, in a field. Uh, and it's standing there. You can't miss it unless you're not paying attention. Uh, unless you're not paying attention to the road, because it's, it's big enough. And it's a cross that says, get right with Jesus. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's a little cliche. I think the phrase itself is a little cliche, but it does prove, uh, it does have a good point to it. So, Yes, um, yes absolutely. And I certainly hope that people enjoyed, you know, our time and our study and our reflections uh, in our relations uh, in this Bible study. And if they have any comments, I would love to hear them and hopefully discuss them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we can close up with that. You know, he's already said it, guys. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, I mean, about the stuff we talk about, um, put them in the comments below. For those of you who are listening to the audio, you can get a hold of us. Probably the quickest way would be uh, on Facebook, um, though we got email set up. Um, I can't necessarily say right now that we have we're, we get to that too much, but Facebook itself would probably be the best way uh, to reach us. Any questions, comments, uh, and so on. Uh, that's all I got. Um, yes. You know, Bernard, uh, thanks for yes. chiming in. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you, Bill. Yep. Not a problem. Yes.